104, don't you? All right, let's go to Acts 17. Praise God. Good to be in the house of God, cool in the house of God. Acts 17. Uh, I'm just curious, does anybody know what I taught on last Sunday? Does anybody have a clue? What? Okay, that was... There you go. Revival is the key to what? Revival is the key to survival. And, and that's good. Good. Excellent. And remember, revival just, you know, we have to keep ourselves stirred up, don't we? And we're not going to survive in these times that we're in if we don't keep ourselves stirred up. But if we do keep ourselves stirred up, we can survive. Um, going to talk for the next several services about the subject of survival survival, and in the context of provision, the context of provision, uh, you know, the economy, we're, we're in some, the United States, some, in some interesting times economically, uh, not, and, and not, not too good. Uh, I know we were watching, I guess, the news last night, and they had a what was there? Uh, they're opening a restaurant somewhere around here, St. Charles, St. Peter's, Chesterfield, Chesterfield, and they had—I uh, don't know—what was it? They needed. They had 150 job openings, and they had 750 people submit resumes. And we're talking about people with master's degrees and PhDs and things like that looking for just, you know, waiting on tables type jobs, you know. And there's nothing wrong with waiting on tables. Amen. Amen. How many of you know that's how uh, Philip started out, wasn't it? He became an evangelist. And, uh, but, you know, tough times. But you know what? God knew before he ever put us on this earth that we were going to be here in the midst of these economic times. Do you think that anything has ever caught God by surprise? No. So he's made the provision for us, hasn't he? I believe he has. And uh, so we're going to be talking about some things from the Bible that we're going to need to know in order to survive. And I'm talking about provision so that we don't run out of money. Amen. So that we don't run out of food and water, you know. You understand what I'm talking about? Some things we can do now. I'm not going to be talking about building a building a uh, building out here where we're going to bring water and put food. Say amen. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about things that you can do spiritually and naturally. Things that you can do to survive. We all can do to survive in these difficult times. So I'm going to talk tonight about the place of survival. The place of survival in Acts the seventeenth chapter. See if if we're going to survive, we're going to have to be in the place that God wants us to be, because that's where the provision is. Uh, you know, you need to get a hold of this. I, I hope you're listening. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. I would say that there are just masses of Christians that. They, they, they don't take the time to seek the Lord. They just get a plan of their own and they go show up somewhere, wherever that may be, and then they ask God to provide. How many has ever 
You, you, get, you get that? Amen. And I've watched folks again and again struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle. But then I've watched other people that they seek God and they find out where it is God wants them to be. And then they show up in that place. Notice they find out where God wants them to be. They show up in that place. And they, they, they really don't have to ask the Lord for provision. Don't really have to say anything to the Lord about provision. Why is that? Because they sought God. They went to the place God told them to be. And guess what? The provision is there. Did you get that? Did you hear me? Oh, please listen to that. Uh, just an example, I've, I've proven it. Diane and I, Pastor Diane and I, we've proven it. We, I say this just to let you know that not, not that we're anything, it just it works. God's no respecter of persons. And we sought the Lord. This is where He directed us to come and be. And this is where we've been. And I've, I've said little to nothing to the Lord about money over the last 15 years. And this whole ministry has been out of debt, out of debt for a long time. Is, is that wonderful? Praise God. And God's providing on every side. And I say little to nothing to the Lord about money. And you know in these services, Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, we say little to nothing about money, don't we? Little to nothing. Notice, and, and I don't, please, I'm not saying that haughtily. Not, not by any means. Am I saying that in, it, in any way, haughtily? I'm just saying that that's a key to it. Notice in Acts 17, 26. The Bible says, He has made from one blood every nation of man to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their... Now notice this. God has determined their pre-appointed times... And the what? The boundaries of their dwellings. Does God have a, have a perfect place for you to live? And does He have a, 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 a place that you need to be? Does He have a church you're supposed to be at? Yeah. And, and you know what? If, if you're in the natural place that God wants you to be, the natural provision will be there for you. And if you're in the spiritual place that God wants you to be, there'll be messages that come across that'll, that'll meet your needs. Did you hear me? Spiritually. Now notice, and the boundaries of their dwellings, God has... Now who's determined these things? Us or Him? He has. And so notice what verse 27 says, so that they should what? They should what? They should seek the Lord. Now why are we seeking the Lord? To find out the boundary of our dwellings. To find out where it is He wants us to be. To find out what it is He wants us to be doing. And then when we do that, we're going to find that provision will be there. I didn't say God's going to make us millionaires. Did I say that? I just said that there'd be provision, the needs would be met. Amen? And there'd be enough left over to help somebody else. You see what I'm saying? Notice in Genesis 22, verse 1, Genesis 22, verse 1, notice this, watch this. This is Abraham, 
Genesis 22, verse 1, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Did you know God will give you a test? He won't tempt you with evil, but he'll give you a test. And he tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Is he telling him where to go? Yeah. yeah. And offer him there as a burnt, there as a burnt offering on just any mountain that you think would look good to you. Just on any of the mountains. Did he say that? No, he said on the mountain, on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. See, there was one mountain where God wanted him to go. Now I wonder why that is. It's because when he gets to that one mountain, as we'll see as we read on the provision that he needs is already going to be there waiting for him. Now notice here, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son, and split the wood for the burnt offering, rose and went, where did he go? He went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So, And much we could say about that. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father... And he said, here, here I am, son. Then he said, look, the, fi the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Well, he was going to be the offering, you know. And Abraham said, my son. Now notice what he says here. He says, God will what? God will provide. Tell you, we're living in a time where all, the, and, I, and I told you this years ago, by the Spirit of God, I told you this, that we've come up on a time now and we're in it, where all the things we've learned about faith over the years and God meeting our needs and all that, we're going to have to put it into practice and live it if we're going to survive. And we've got to have this about us, this attitude that God will what? He will what? He will? Provide. Say it real loud. God will provide. God will provide. Yeah, he will provide. Amen. He will provide. But we're going to have to seek Him and find out where we're supposed to go and get in that place, and then the provision will be there. So he says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the, notice, they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there. See, he's going to worship God in the place that God told him to go. And, and he placed the wood, uh, the wood in order and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him, now notice, there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. See, he had to go to the mountain where the ram was. Amen. See, there's, two, there's so many, too many, so many Christians, they just go to the, to the mountain 
that they want to go to and then they want God to just materialize around. And then they wonder why God doesn't provide when he doesn't materialize around. No, God provides. You understand that. You just got to go to the right mountain. Is God hiding the mountain from you? No, he'll tell you. You just got to seek him and then when he tells you, you have to go there. But you know it takes faith, doesn't it? If you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to walk by faith. And uh, he went to the right mountain. And the ram was there. And verse 13, he went and took the ram, offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. And notice, Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will what? He'll provide. As it's said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So if we're going to survive, we're going we're gonna to have to get in that place where God wants us to be. Actually, this is where we get the compound name of God, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord who will provide, the Lord our provider. It also means the Lord who sees ahead and makes the provision. The Lord who sees ahead and makes the provision. See, he saw ahead and made the provision for Abraham and he told him right where to go. And when he showed up, in that place, then the provision was there. You understand that? I know, and I, I've shared this before, so I'll give you the brief version of it, but Pastor, uh, Pastor Diane and I, we got married 21 uh, years ago, and we uh, spent our honeymoon in Bible school. The Lord directed us, see, the Lord directed us to quit our jobs. I was a math teacher, she was a nurse, and he directed us to quit our jobs, get married. Now, don't do this unless the Lord tells you to do it. Uh, quit our jobs, <laughs> get married, and move to Tulsa and attend Bible school at Rama. He didn't tell us to go to ORU. That's a wonderful school. He just didn't tell us to go there. And, and he didn't tell us to go to Oklahoma City. He told us to go to Tulsa. You understand that? And, and we went there. And, and, and actually, before we went, uh, several months before we got married, I remember sitting on the couch praying with her, and we didn't feel goosebumps. We didn't. We didn't. Didn't have angelic appearances. Didn't feel anything. But we prayed, and we we wrote a list of about ten things that we needed to have happen, or we, we we'd have been in trouble. Long story short, we show up down there, and we began to go around, and and everything we needed just boom, 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 fell right into place. I got a job teaching at Tulsa Junior College. Uh, I got a job teaching at Tulsa Junior College that I shouldn't have been able to get. I, I have a bachelor's degree in mathematics, and you really needed a master's degree to have that job, but they hired me nonetheless. Why is that? Because God had the job for me. But I had to show up there, you see. You understand that? And, and I had a job down there for two years that I really shouldn't have had. And, and, but I had it. And, and I remember the first, the first year that we were there, I had, uh, I had just classes to teach and then the summer was coming up and I needed more, I needed more income and I could only teach a certain number of classes because I was part time and, and I was getting ready in the next day or two, I was getting ready to go out and look for another job to supplement and, and I was going to go to McDonald's, wherever I had to go. I will never forget the phone rings. And I answered the phone and there's this guy, this guy, he says, are you Terry Shield? I said, yes. He said, I'm so-and-so from this other Tulsa Junior College campus. He said, I have a, 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 a math lab job open. Would you like to be the math lab supervisor? And I said, well, yeah, can I do that with my 
my other classes over here at the Southwest Campus. He said, well, you know what? He said, why don't you just teach over there at the Southwest Campus through the summer and then and do the math lab job and then this fall just come over and work for me. He said, I'll talk to your supervisor over there and it, everything will be fine. And I wound up not only having a math lab job all summer long, taught at Southwest Campus, then in the, next, in the fall I kept the lab job and he gave me a perfect schedule to finish my second year out at Rama. See, because at Rama you can't work during the during the eight, you know like eight till noon you can't because you got to go to school so you have to get a job in the afternoon and evening you see and so I was just that quick see God provided but why was that it was because we was in the right place you see do you understand and it work in Tulsa it'll work in Fenton it'll work wherever you are can you say amen, amen. now notice here in First Kings the seventeenth chapter do I get do I give y'all enough scriptures. I, I give you enough. First Kings seventeen, verse one. See, we give you scripture, and then we give you some personal experience as well. First Kings seventeen, verse one. First Kings seventeen, verse one. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, "As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word." Anyway, I wanted to finish at Tulsa. I never did finish what I was trying to say. When we were down there and we, all that happened, I said to Pastor Diane, I said, it looks like somebody was here ahead of us and got everything lined up for us. Well, guess what? Somebody had been. Amen. Jehovah Jireh. He saw ahead and made what? The provision. Can you say amen? amen. So now here Elijah, he says it's not going to rain, accepted his word. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, verse 2, Get away from here and turn eastward. Now, is God given specific direction? Yes. Yeah. Get away from here and turn eastward. So he didn't say north. He didn't say south or west, did he? He said east. Is there a specific place that God has for us? Yes. And hide by the brook Cherith. Now, did he give him a specific brook? I know, I know you've heard this before, but repetition is a seed of learning. You need to get this again. He's given him direction, isn't he? Which flows into the Jordan. And it shall be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you where? To feed you there. Now, could he go just wherever he wanted and, ex and expect the ravens to show up? No, the, ra the Lord put some kind of a direction in those ravens, probably some kind of a homing device. I don't know. Now, I don't know how God did that. Do you? I don't know how he did You know what? I don't care how he did it. Do you? It beats starving, doesn't it? And, and he said that he's commanded the ravens to feed him there. Where? Eastward by the brook Cherith and which flows into, jo into the Jordan. There was a specific brook, you see. And there's where the ravens came. Now, there's a lot of Christians I've met over the years. They wouldn't have went to the brook Cherith. They might have went to the Jordan or some other place because maybe it was nicer or looked nicer. And Well, we'll just go over here and we'll just believe God that the ravens will show up for us over here by, by this other brook. And then they get frustrated with the Lord when the ravens don't show up. God has no obligation to feed you by the other brook if he told you to go to Cherith. Is that right? Now, now is that right? It's exactly right. 
It's exactly right. Yet there's people, they'll go to the, their own brook, the brook of their choosing, and then they'll, they'll, they'll get upset and crab and complain because, you know, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the ravens don't show up. Well, God has no obligation to send them anywhere else. He told him where the ravens were going to be. And all you got to do is believe God, show up, the ravens will start coming in. Is that right? And they did. And he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. See, survival, right there it is, survival. Don't, do they have a cool screen up there that says survival on it? Let me see that. Do we have that? I, I caught that out of the corner of my eye. Look at that. Survival, the place of. Survival, the place of. See, and for Elijah, here it was by the brook. And the ravens brought it in in the morning and in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And then it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Well, now wait, God told him to go to the brook. Well, the brook's drying up. Guess what? The word of the Lord's going to be coming again real soon here. With what? Further direction. Is that right? And it happened after a while the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise. Go to Zarephath. Is that specific place? Yeah. Specific place. Which belongs to Sida and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So you see, there's more provision. But yet, there's survival. He's, I mean, he needs, he needs survival. He needs to survive. In order to do it, he's got to get in the place. He's got to get by the brook. And now he's got to go to the widow's house. Did you know that God will use some of the most unlikely sources to meet your needs? Did you ever notice here that God didn't send him over to a millionaire's house? Huh? Send him to the widow's house. And, and we'll see as we go, actually, God sent him there, yes, for his sake, all right, but really... It was also for this widow's sake and her son's survival. And I want to say it again. God uses the most unlikely sources. You'd think that he'd have sent him over to a millionaire's house. No, he sent him over to a widow's house. And we'll find out in a future session that she didn't have much food, did she? She didn't have too much. And we're going to see... I'm going to talk more about this in a, in a future session. I think you're going to be real blessed with it. But, but I, I'm just talking about the place tonight. So hold, put a marker there and we'll get back to that. Maybe this Sunday we'll get back and talk about what happened at the widow's house. I always get excited when I start talking about what happened at the widow's house. But let's go to another passage. Hold, we'll hold that till possibly Sunday. We'll pick up with, with that uh, then. But go to Luke the fifth chapter. Go to Luke the fifth chapter. How many of you are fishermen in here? Any fishermen? Anybody like to fish? All right. Well, let me ask you this. If you're going to catch fish, do you go to the bowling alley? Huh? Now, that would that'd be silly, wouldn't it? Huh? You go to a river or to a lake or a stream. Is that right? Now, would it make any sense... To go to the bowling alley and believe that God's going to have fish for you to catch at the bowling alley. Huh? But yet people... I mean, now that's silly, isn't it? How many of you agree with me that's silly? 
But that's just as silly as going to the wrong place that God didn't, or going to some place God never told you to go and then believing for Him to cause a provision to be there when He never told you to go there in the first place. Did you get what I just said? If you're going to go fishing, you want to go to the right spot. Now look at Luke, the fifth chapter, verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake Gennesaret, this is Jesus, and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and was washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon, Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat and he had and when he had stopped speaking he said to Simon launch out into the deep launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch now did Jesus tell him where to go out into the deep Simon answered and said to him master we've toiled all night and caught nothing well, they've toiled all night, caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. And I could teach you a whole sermon where Jesus said, let down the nets. And he said, all right, I'll let down the net singular. And this is going to cost him here in a few moments. He should, we ought to obey God, shouldn't we? Amen. And when they had done this, when they'd done what? Went out where Jesus told them to go. They caught a great number of fish. Well, that's provision, isn't it? That's, that's survival. A fisherman needs to catch fish to survive. Is that right? They caught a great number of fish. And their net was breaking. And their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats... So that they began to what? Began to sink. Isn't that something? So the fish were out there, weren't they? The fish were out there. Those fish didn't just materialize all of a sudden. They were out there. Maybe they were fishing in the wrong place. Nonetheless, it's when they obeyed the Lord Jesus and went where he told them to go, they had so many fish, they didn't know what to do with them all. Their net broke, and then they should have let down the nets, shouldn't they? Plural. And then their partners came over and, and to help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. You ought to pick, try to picture that in your mind. Boats sinking, so many fish. That's provision. That's survival. But it was a direct result of just obeying the Lord. Amen. Just going where He said go. Now look at John 21, verse 3. At the end of... Uh, the book of John there, after Jesus had been raised from the dead, we have another fish incident. Look at John 21, verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. You know, this was after Jesus had been raised from the dead, you know. And uh, I guess to Peter, it must have looked like his ministry was over, you know. And so he's going to go back to doing what he'd done before he met Jesus. I'm going fishing. And, and they said to him, we're going to go with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught, what did they catch? Nothing. They caught nothing. They caught nothing. 
But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And much we could say about reasons for that, but that's not the point here tonight. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net. Notice, cast the net just wherever you want to. Just whatever seems good to you, whatever looks right to you. Is that what he said? No, he said, cast the net where? On the right side of the boat. On the right side. On the, he didn't say left side, did he? He said on the right side of the boat. And you'll find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of what? The multitude of fish. Amen? Praise God forevermore. Why is that? Because they obeyed Jesus. They obeyed the voice of the Lord. They did what he said do. If you've done what he said do, you don't have to worry about provision. He'll provide. Amen? Now, sometimes he doesn't come till the midnight hour, but he'll come. You know what I mean? The midnight hour or what is it called? Let's say it right. The fourth watch. Remember the fourth watch? That's like the, at the last minute. You know, I've learned this about God. Very seldom does he run early. But you know what? Not one time has he ever been late. He always gets it. He always gets, gets it. Gets it in. Amen? How many of you know he's wonderful? How many of you know he's still able to provide today just like he did back then? Amen? Praise God. I hope this is encouraging you just a little bit. Well, let's close in Genesis 26, verse 1. Let's go there. Notice this. Genesis 26, verse 1. You know, as it pertains to provision, walking with the Lord, you need to seek Him. And, and he'll direct you, he'll lead you and guide you, and you need to get in that place that he has for you, and then you need to stay there. Uh, I've watched so many people over the years that they stay for a while, but they don't stay. You've you got to be directed by the Lord. Unless he's telling you to, 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 to move or do something like that, don't do it. Remember Elijah? He went to the brook, but then he didn't go to the widow's house until the Lord told him. He didn't move by circumstance. He didn't move, listen to me, he didn't move because the brook was drying up. He moved because of the word of the Lord. Amen. Did you hear me? Yes. Remember, I've ta- I hope I've taught you this and I hope you got a hold of it. Don't you be led by open doors or closed doors. Amen. Well, a lot of people say, well, the door just opened, so I guess I need to walk, th- 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 walk through. The devil could have opened it. Huh? Maybe the Lord opened it. Maybe the devil opened it. Well, the door closed. Well, maybe the Lord closed it. Maybe the devil closed it. We're not moved by doors. We're not moved by circumstances. We're not led by open doors or closed doors. We're led by the Spirit of God. Can you say amen? Be led by the Spirit of God. Elijah didn't move because the brook was drying up. He moved because of the word of the Lord. You understand that? You move because of the word of the Lord. You don't move because your friend did something or your acquaintance did something or didn't do something. You you move at the direction of the Lord. You see. 
Now here in Genesis 26.1, it says there was a famine in the land. Tough economic times. We're in tough economic times here in the United States. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham and Isaac. See, there was a famine in the days of Isaac's father, Abraham. But now there's another famine. And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. See, the Philistines are, are, are a type of the sinner, you know. And, and he went to the king of the Philistines in Gerard. Now look at verse 2. Then the Lord appeared to him, appeared to Isaac, you know, and said. Now listen to this. If, you, if, you're, if you're an underliner in your Bible, you ought to underline this one. He says, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I what? Of which I tell you. Boy, do you see that again and again and again and again? Going to the place God told you to go. He says, he says, live in the land of which I tell you, dwell in this land, and I'll be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. I'll make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I'll give you to you your descendants, to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac, notice he dwelt, where did he dwell? In Gerar. That's where God told him to dwell. You see that? Now for the sake of time, skip down to verse 12. Now notice there was a famine going on. Now, now think about this. There was a famine going on. The Lord appears to Isaac. He says, he says, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I tell you. Dwell in the land. I'll be with you. I'll bless you. And then in verse 12, Isaac sowed in that land. Now is there a famine going on? Yes. But Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Can anybody say amen? Can, can we be blessed when there's famine in the land? Yes. Can we have our needs provided while there's lack in the land? Can we have all of our needs met while there's lack in the land? Yes. Because our needs are met not according to the... U.S. economy, but our needs are met according to what? His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Did you hear me? And here, he sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Uh, you know... Just because the times are tough economically, you need to still be a tither and a giver. Amen? You hear me? We'll say more about that as we go, and I say very little about it, but we'll say more about it. Because you can't talk about provision, God providing for you. You can't talk about survival uh, without talking about the supernatural link to it which is the tithe and the offering. Now, I say very little about it, but in order for me to do what God wants me to do, eventually I'm going to need to say some things about it, and we'll get to it as we go. You know, I never teach on tithing to try to convince somebody to do it. 
Absolutely not. Not one time have I ever taught a message trying to convince somebody to do it. It doesn't work. It absolutely doesn't work. When I teach on it, I teach to the people who are tithers and givers. Amen? And I encourage them with what the Bible says they can expect as a result. And then we just trust that folks that don't do it will, uh, will catch on. Amen? See, if you, if you refuse to tithe, and, and, and if you refuse to tithe, I'm telling you, you, you just absolutely, God will not get involved with your finances. He just won't do it. And I'm not, and, and I'll say this, because sometimes preachers will say, well, if you don't tithe, you know, God's going to get you. You know, if God wanted to get you, He'd already got you. Huh? If you don't tithe, God will just leave you flat alone in your finances. Hear me? I don't want him to leave me alone in there. How about you? Well, we'll say more about that as we go. But he sowed in that land, in the land where there was famine. You see that? And he reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. So can we be blessed in the midst of this economy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can. And then verse 13, the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Can we be blessed by God to the point that it makes the sinner jealous? Yeah, or envious? And, and, and the reason for that is not just to make them jealous, but it's to let them see that there, is a, that there is a God and He's a provider. And then they get down, then we're able to give to them and help them and buy them dinner or get them food, and that'll minister to them. Amen. Did you hear me? Now the Philistines had stopped up... Now watch this. Now the Philistines, verse 15, had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. See, Isaac is in this land and he's prospering. And the Philistines, or the sinners, had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac... Now that's the king of the Philistines. said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we... There's the sinner saying, you're mightier than us. Why was he mightier? Because he did what God told him to do. How many of you know we ought to be prospering more than, than the sinner? Is that right? Because we're hooked to God. Anyway, verse 17, Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar. He's still there in Gerar. He dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Now this is something that, that really ministers to me as a pastor. And I just want to share it to you. I don't know if it will minister to you or not. Maybe it will. But, but as it pertains to the survival of a church or a ministry, notice Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his fathers. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. 
Listen, I'm going to stick with what I've learned from the Word of God from my spiritual fathers. Amen? I'm going to stick with what Brother Hagin's taught me from the Word of God. Amen? Praise God forevermore. I'm not going to leave that. I'm going to still, uh, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to keep preaching the new birth. I'm going to call it the new birth. I'm going to call it salvation. Amen. Can you say amen? I'm not moving away from that. I'm going to keep calling heaven, heaven holy and hell hot. Did you hear me? I'm not moving away from that. Not, absolutely, I will not do it. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Can you say amen? I'm not moving away from that, you see. I'm going to still preach the baptism in the Holy Ghost. That Jesus still baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And we can be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And have the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Can you say amen? I'm going to still be flowing in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. I'm still going to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Those nine gifts, those those gifts, the tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, special faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles. I'm still going to flow in those things. I'm still going to call those what they are from the Word of God. I'm going to still flow with the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? I'm going to still lay hands on the sick and I'm going to watch them recover. Amen. I'm not moving away from healing. I'm not moving away from the healing power of God. Can you say amen? I tell you what, you move away from those things after God's given you revelation along those lines, it'll kill a church. I'm not moving away from those things. I'm not moving away from the Word of God. I'm not moving away from teaching the Word. I'm not moving away from preaching the Word. I'm not moving away from these things, bless God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to stay in the wells that, the, that my spiritual fathers have taught me from the Word of God, you know. I'm going to still flow in them. And I hope you'll stay in there with me. Amen? Did you hear me? How many of you agree with me that heaven is holy and hell's hot? How many agree with me there's a new birth necessary to miss hell and make heaven? How many agree with me there's still a baptism in the Holy Ghost? How many agree with me there's still nine gifts of the Spirit? Amen. Praise God. How many of you know the Holy Ghost hadn't gone away? Is that right? Is that right? How many of you know the healing power of God is still for today? Is that right? Praise God. And so we're going to just keep flowing in those things. And God will continue to provide. Can you say amen? Did you get anything out of this tonight that bless you at all? All right, so you better, you better find out what you're supposed to be doing and do it. Amen? And God will provide. Ushers, come if you will. We're going to receive it. Tithes and offerings. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to SC or Summit Church. If you uh, need an envelope.